the record tonight. We're going to go for 35 hours, and uh, I'm excited about that. I um, just want to take a minute and, first of all, thank uh, the pastor and his family for allowing us to be in their home. We, we feel at home. It's, it's, it's been wonderful, and I hope they'll come visit us in Florida. And then all the dear members of the church who have, ha- who have had us in to eat. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what, um, I need to go to India next week if for no other reason but to take the weight back off. It's been, uh, it's been terrific. You've all been really kind. And um, let me just uh, uh, say that, you know, on the last night of the conference, um, you have to understand, I, I didn't get into the ministry because I needed a job. I don't mean that to be, you know, prideful. I mean, it, it, I, I wasn't looking for a job. Um, I was perfectly happy doing what I was doing. Uh, God called me. And I take my preaching very seriously. Um, I believe that one sermon can change a life. I know it was one sermon that God used for me to be saved. And it was one sermon that he used for me to surrender to full-time service. Um, I've seen lives changed. Uh, One of our deacons, he and his wife and three children came to vacation Bible school four years, five years ago. And I preached a salvation message during our vacation Bible school. And uh, he got saved, walked the aisle, his family all got saved. Now he's one of our deacons, has actually traveled with me to India. Um, I believe in the power of one sermon, and, and, and I'm grateful to have been here. I'm looking forward now to head down to Wicklow Town for a couple of days, and then over at the end of the week with Brother Ariel O'Gorman. And uh, I'm saying all that to say that the message that I'm about to preach tonight is going to be difficult to preach only in the sense that I wish somebody else was preaching it. You've heard me on uh, Tuesday night, you heard me Wednesday night, and you heard me Thursday, and you heard me Friday, and Saturday the men heard me in the men's meeting, and then you heard me this morning at Sunday school, and this morning at 11, and now you're stuck having to hear me again. And uh, I wish somebody else could come preach this message just for no other reason that you would forget that I was preaching it and just listen to what God has for you. I promise you, if you will listen to this message and take it to your heart, God will change your perspective on why you're at this church. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to turn to Philippians 3. And I'm going to ask the Lord to preach it tonight. I'm going to try to get out of the way here. Philippians 3. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, tonight I do come to you and ask you for your power. It's been a terrific week. But dear God, as I approach this last night of this conference, I just have this frustration and this desire that I might be allowed by you, by the Holy Spirit, to preach this message in such a way that I would get out of the way and that your word would be made clear. I would pray, dear God, that this message would do the work that you intend, that every person in the room tonight would put aside their personal desires, their personal plans and projects and hopes and dreams, and just for a few minutes during the message tonight, that they might be open to what you have for them. 
So I do pray you'd speak to our hearts, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians 3, and if you would go to verse 1, Philippians 3, uh, verse 10, I'm sorry, Philippians 3, verse 10. Familiar passage of Scripture at first, and then it gets not so familiar, I think. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, verse 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Watch this. I want to read this slow. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Without a doubt in my mind, the ushers in this church have a high calling in Christ Jesus. Now watch close. If you're an usher... At this church, that is a high calling. If you work in the creche, that is a high calling. If you work with RU, that's a high calling. If you play the piano, that's... I was watching the young ladies playing the piano tonight. And as I was sitting there, I was thinking back to to our home church and my daughters who play the piano, my wife who plays the piano. And I, and I was thinking to myself, I wonder if those two young ladies understand the high calling that they have as they play that piano. May, may I remind you, not everybody came in and sat down and practiced a song and prayed that God would help them and got nervous all these months. They've been working on the song and then sat and played it. And if they, and if, and if they don't play it just exactly, they're sick for three weeks. I mean, I know how that works. It's a high calling. It's a high calling to do something for God. Here's our problem. Well, I go to LifeGate Bible Baptist Church, and all I do is hand out the church announcements at the door. I said to the brother this morning, I said, that's a very important job that you have there. Ladies and gentlemen, if I'm a visitor to this church... I don't know what the announcements are. I don't know what's going on at this church if I don't have that church bulletin. The problem with us is we don't see that every single job that we have is a high calling. Matter of fact, I'd contend we don't even see it as a calling. Well, I volunteer to be an usher. I volunteer to count the offering. I volunteer to sing the song. It's not a calling. Listen to me. I'm not calling only in the sense that God says, Hey, I need you to serve me. But it's a calling beyond just the job. It's a calling just beyond a little thing we do around the church. If you come in here and you wash the windows in this building, 
Yes, God has called you. He's, he's asked you. He's pleaded with you to use a New Testament term. But more importantly, that's a calling. You say, oh, come on, Brother Frazier. People come to church. If I don't clean the window, what does it matter? It matters. My wife and I had have twins. And when they were little, I almost said we had little babies. It's hard for me to even think of them as not being little babies. They're, they're always going to be old. But we had twins. And when they were just little babies, they're only about one or two years old, we were headed to Great Britain. Long story short, we ended up not being able to go there. God shut many doors. So we went to a part of Florida where we, uh, we were looking for a church. And there were not very many gospel preaching churches there. So we looked for a church and, and we went into the front door of the church and we went to the crash. We went to the nursery and we left our twins and we signed a little paper that said, these are their names and they're allergic to this or, you know, those kind of things. And we left and we went to church at the end of the service. We came back. And when we came back, we said, okay, we're here to get Matthew and Bethany, our twins' names. And the worker there, the lady working there at the crash said, who? We, we said, our babies. This church has maybe six, seven hundred members. Professionally trained crash workers. Beautiful Blankets and pillows and beds for the babies. You don't remember our babies? Well, no. Well, where are they? I don't know. You don't know where our babies are? No. And we're waiting for an answer. She said, well, sometimes we put them over there. And sometimes we put them in that building. And sometimes we put them in that room. And sometimes we're... I said, I don't care about sometime. I want them now. You have about 15 seconds to produce two babies. Don't even have to be mine. <laughs> Just get me two babies really quick. Because this woman is about to hurt you very deeply. They walked us through one building into another building. We were first-time visitors, had never been in that church before. I had been a pastor for years. I had been a church planter. I know how it's supposed to happen. They walked us to another building and then a room and then, a, and then around to the front of the room. And then finally I looked and in the corner of the room were our two little babies sitting in little, little car seat type things. And they handed us the babies. We never went back. And by the end of that week, I had started Landmark Baptist Church in Brooksville, Florida, right up the street. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I said, if they can't handle two babies, how can we trust them with the gospel? You might think, well, I just work in the crash. They lost to experienced soul winners. They lost... Two tithers. They helped start another church. You're looking at me and you're thinking, that's kind of drastic. If we can't handle the physical things, how is God going to entrust us with the spiritual? If they can't take care of knowing where two little babies are, how can they be entrusted to follow up on the souls of people that have trusted Christ as their Savior?
You see, I don't know if you've gotten it this week, but I think this whole thing about the ministry is a big deal. I think it's the biggest deal going. Philippians 3, if you would look at verse 14 again, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If you serve at this church, it's a high calling. If you're a soul winner at this church, it's a high calling. It's a calling. It's not a job. If you're the church secretary, it's a calling, not just a job. If you sing, it is a calling, not just a job. You're not just the man who vacuums the floor. You're the man who vacuums the floor for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Does anybody hear me tonight? I don't know if this gets you excited, but it gets me excited because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords said, I need you to drive a bus. I need you to clean a window. I need you to drive a van. I need you to sit home tonight at the RU men's house and take care of a man who's struggling maybe. That's a calling. That's a, Listen, I couldn't do it. Do you see me sitting over there? Uh, God didn't call me to do that. Lord knows how I'd go. I'd say, listen, straighten up, get up, stop it, let's go. Listen, that's not my calling. Put me working in the crash. That's dangerous. No, you're laughing. I'm sitting, my wife knows this is true. You do not want me in the crash. I came up with, a, we have five children. I came up with a way one time to save money on nappies. You're on the, on the diapers. I came up with this theory that you can fill the diaper with the amount of poundage that's on the diaper. In America, it'll say these diapers are good up to 30 pounds. I was thinking I could save money if we fill them with 30 pounds, not that it goes on a 30-pound baby, amen? No, you're, I'm serious. I said, well, I said, why not? Who's going to know the difference? If it's a 50-pound baby, you have a mess, but you save on diapers and nappies, amen? Now you agree with me? I am not called to be in that nursery. You don't want me in there. My whole idea of Christian school is this. All right, class, it's 8 o'clock. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for Christian school. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, class dismissed. Let's go to park. I think that should be every, every goal of every student. I go into the math class at our Christian school. And I'll say to them, I'll do it when I get home. I'll walk. Actually, they're on vacation now for the summer. But I'll go in and I'll say, all right, how many of you were working on math? And they'll raise their hands and I'll say, that's the stupidest subject in the world. And the teachers will be like, pastor, we love you. Please leave the room. And I'll be like, I just don't understand it. Like I have this theory of mathematics that whatever number it turns out to be should be it, whether it is or not. It's true. If I put 10 and 10 and 10, that is not 30. You know, today when the preacher said he thinks maybe I'm a little nuts and a little something else, I'm more nuts than anything. There's no question about it. I'm definitely off the trolley. But I have this theory of math. By the way, because of math, fourth grade was the best two years of my life. And uh, uh, I, uh, some people, do you have magna cum laude here? You can graduate with honors. I graduated, thank you, Lord. Amen. But... Uh, <laughs> I was given an honorary doctorate degree, and my English teacher said, that's not the only degree you've ever been given that was honorary. But anyway, I would, I believe that 30 and 30, uh, 10 and 10 and 10 is not 30 necessarily. And I'll teach this in the, in the math class. 
I went to the board and I proved it. 10 plus 10 plus 10. You see, what some of you would do is you would take the zeros and add them up, which, ladies and gentlemen, let me help you with math. How do you add zeros? There's zero. There's nothing to add. Math teacher says to me in fourth grade, okay, add all the zeros together. We think I'm stupid. I may be in fourth grade, but I'm not an idiot. Zero plus zero plus zero is zero, right? Can I ask you a question? Is anybody in this room stupid enough that you have to add three zeros to know it's zero? You look at it, you know it's zero, amen? It's the stupidest subject ever known to man. You mean I have to go to school for 12 years to put three zeros together and know I come up with nothing? If I have, if I have no ice cream plus no ice cream plus no ice cream, you call it what you want, I'm still not getting ice cream. So my theory of math is you take the three zeros, add them up, that equals three. You say, how's that? Zero number one, zero number two, zero number three, one, two, three, you got three. I'm not called to do math. You take the 10 to 10 to 10, I have news for you, they are not 10s because you've already said that those zeros are three. So you take zero, 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 that's three. You take the one, 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 what is that? Three. So 10 plus 10 plus 10 is how much? It can't be. It can't be. Because those ones are a one, not a 10. How do you know? You took the zero away. Is a one a one or is a 10 a 10? A 10 is a one plus a zero. I've already used the zeros. If I add them again, this is why I can't stand math. It's not 33. It's three zeros Three ones, what is three plus three? Exactly. Ten plus ten plus ten is six. I am not called to teach math. Amen? How many would you agree that I'm not called to teach math? I'm offended. How, how could you possibly say that? Now, having said that, not everybody is called, I'll watch, not everybody is called to every ministry. I am not called to work with the sign language ministry. That is not my calling. Matter of fact, I, at, at home, my wife works the sign language ministry. At home, I've been known to say that she works with the deaf. I work with the dumb. Amen. It, it kind of works out really well. And, um, um, but, but, but my point is I don't work with the sign language. I only know a few sign languages. My favorite? I like that one. That's a good, do you notice what she just did? She went, I can do that. Now I know two. Ladies and gentlemen, I may be being facetious here. I may be joking a little bit, but I'm very serious about this. I can't do every ministry. Your pastor can't do every ministry. He can't be everywhere. It's a high calling of God. When the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords said, Look, your pastor can't do everything, so I need you to teach math. I need you to teach English. I need you to do the sign language. I need you to drive the van. I need you to sit with the man tonight. I need you to be at the RU home tonight. I need you to teach a class tonight. I need you to play the piano tonight. Listen to me. That's the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The men ministry that you do for him is a high calling. It's a calling. It's a high calling to serve God. I was in India and uh, I, I only laugh because I think the pastor got mad at me at first and that's all right. That's typical. But 
I was in India, uh, this is a couple years ago now, and I preached in a message, and afterwards, I was introduced to the pastor's son. And I said, oh, are you, are you in the Bible college here? And he said, no, through an interpreter, a translator. And I said, oh, well, what are you going to do? He goes, well, I'm going to the university to be a doctor. And I said, oh. And the pastor looked at me like, he's going to be a doctor. And I said, oh, that's all. I was serious. And the, and the student said, no, I'm going to be a medical doctor. And I went, oh. Have you ever prayed about being a pastor or a preacher? He said, I'm going to be a doctor. Yeah. And the pastor, through the interpreter, said, he's going to be a medical doctor. And I said, all right, if that's the best he can do. And the pastor said, could we talk? I said, sure. And we went off to the side. He said, Pastor, you don't understand. In India, if you become a medical doctor, you can go to America, you can go to Australia, you can go to other countries and make a lot of money. I said, yeah, but it just seems so unimportant. He said, there's such a need for medical doctors in India. It's unimportant. I said, yeah. He said, well, explain to me. Maybe I'm missing something. I said, well... A doctor treats a very sick patient and they live only to die later. A preacher preaches the gospel to a sick person. If they die, they live forever. I said a calling of God on your life to be a preacher of the gospel, to be a soul winner, is a far better calling than be a medical doctor. Because if you're a medical doctor, eventually all of your patients die. If you're a soul winner or a preacher, eventually your patients live forever in heaven. Who has a better job? Now, I mean that. I believe that. I'm not saying we don't need doctors. We need doctors. I'm not saying we don't need nurses and engineers and all that. We need them. But I see somebody who's serving God as having the highest calling. The person who can take the gospel to a lost person so that they might be saved and live forever in heaven. How, how is it any better than that? It's a high calling. To serve God. Why is it a high calling? Well, we're called ambassadors for Christ. We're called co-laborers. Does anybody hear me tonight? I know it's warm and you feel like you're in the Florida sun and it's hot. And, and you wish that you had some air conditioning and a, and a diet Dr. Pepper to drink and a piece of pizza like you're watching. I'm telling you, tonight God wants to get a hold of your heart and your head by convincing you that it is a high calling to serve God. A high calling. Because you get to work with the eternal. You get to be an ambassador of Christ. You get to be a co-laborer. Because he provides for you as you serve. The Bible says, Go ye therefore in all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures. Now watch. And lo, I am with you always. I want to give you a Bible challenge tonight. I'll give you 15 seconds, and the first person that finds it, I will give you 50 euro cash. 
50 euro cash if you can find it. Are you ready? You say, you must be pretty confident. I'm really confident. Other than God's promise to those who he sends to spread the gospel, show me one other place in the Bible where he says, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. That promise, ladies and gentlemen, is reserved to those who preach the gospel and bring the gospel to a lost and dying world. Can you find any other place where he says, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world? It must be a pretty big deal. To preach the gospel. It must be a pretty high calling. By the way, nobody's ever taken the 50 euros. It's not in there. I've looked over and over and over again before I ever used that illustration, buddy. Am I making sense tonight? If this is not such a high calling of God in Christ Jesus, then why does Jesus only say, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world, to those who he calls to bring the gospel? It must be a high calling. You're looking at me like I'm not figuring him out yet. That's all right. I'm leaving tonight and it'll all make sense. It's a high calling to serve God. It's an honor to serve God. It's an honor. Listen to me. I don't know. I, and, and I told you early on, there's a frustration for me to preach this message. So, so maybe I just need to calm down a little bit. It'll be all right. This is a frustrating message. I wish someone else could preach it because I wish you could get beyond the, 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 the American standing here who, who isn't sure. Is he in Ireland? Is he in India? Is he in America? Where is he? I wish you could get beyond that, get beyond the jokes, get beyond the preaching, get beyond the finger point, get, beyond. I wish you could just hear what, what the word is saying tonight. I wish you could hear what my heart's trying to say to you tonight. If you are bringing the gospel to the world, that's the, highest calling that you could have. There's nothing more important than that. If you serve here in the church, there's nothing more important than that. That's the most wonderful gift that you can give to anybody than to love somebody and pray for somebody and to spend time with somebody and to make an eternal difference in their life. But it's not only a high calling, it's an honor. It is an honor when I was in Bible college, I had the opportunity to work for a very famous American preacher. And part of my I was one of his bodyguards. And I would guard his house and his airplane. And he's a very famous preacher. But at the time when I was working for him, he was ministering to President of the United States, Ronald Reagan. And he would have the Prime Minister of Israel over to his house for lunch, Menachem Begin. In my file, somewhere at, at uh, Liberty Baptist College, Thomas Road Baptist Church, are two letters from the United States Secret Service thanking me for guarding the Vice President of the United States, George Bush, and the Prime Minister of Israel, Menachem Begin. My wife had the opportunity to see Vice President Bush and know that her husband was up there, one of the people guarding them. Listen to me, that was, a, that was an honor in my life. It was an honor for me. I've had the opportunity to guard Prince Charles, Dennis Conner of America's Cup, Walter Cronkite of CBS News, you might be familiar with him, and many other famous people. That was an honor. But let me tell you something. Every day of every hour, I get to work with the King 
of kings and the Lord of lords. The great I am. The alpha, the omega. The beginning, the last, the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace, the everlasting father. Does anybody hear me tonight? This should get us excited even on a warm Irish evening. If you're working in the creche, what a, what a position of honor. If you're handling the word of God, what a position of honor. The eternal word of God written by the Holy Spirit of God, taking the message of God to man, has been entrusted into a Sunday school teacher's hand, into a Christian school teacher's hand. What an honor. What, what an amazing honor. To be able to think that God himself could have chose the angels, but picked you. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, can I remind you of something? On Tuesday nights, when this church goes and knocks doors and goes soul winning, that job cannot be done by the angels. God chose you. Isn't that an honor? Isn't it an honor for someone to come to you and say, uh, today... Today, just dawned on me, today a, a, a dear lady that we met this week has a real burden to do something for God. Today at the invitation, she came to me. She came forward, but then she came to me. I stand right over here near you, brother. And she comes over and she says, will you pray for me that God will show me what to do for missions? My wife was standing there and I always prefer to, to work with the men and have my wife work with the ladies. And I called my wife over. And I, I said she'd like to do more for missions. Now watch. She'd like to do more for missions? Oh, she just, she just wants to do more for missions. That's all. No big deal. She just, she wants to go up to the Tesco and get a cup of tea and a scone. There's no, she wants just, just missions. She's just willing today to come forward in front of her pastor in the church and and pour her heart out to God and say, Lord, send me anywhere. Whatever you want me to do. Whatever I need to give. Whatever has to be. I, I, I just want to give my life to missions. And when I said that to my wife, I said, she wants you to pray with her and counsel with her. Because she wants to give her life to missions. Ladies and gentlemen, what an honor. If I was home at about this time, I'd be walking the pews. And I would get right about here and say, brother, what an honor that somebody would listen to a sermon preached by an off-the-trolley American preacher come forward and then walk up and want to shake your hand and ask you, watch me now, ask you to pray that God will use her in missions. What an honor. We don't, I'm telling you, we don't see that. It's a big deal. When someone says, I have a need, will you pray with me? Do you know what they're saying? They're saying that I trust that you know God. I trust that you care enough about me to pray for this. What an honor. I know the women of this church go to Mrs. O'Gorman. And I can hear her as, as she talks and, and, as she, and I can see her as she deals with you that she sees it as an honor to work with you and to help. What an honor that God would take a woman from Ireland and raise her up out of religion and give her a godly husband and then godly children and then other women want to learn for What an honor. But yet we walk around this church like, oh, I'm just bringing a gospel to the neighbors. 
That's all? The angels aren't doing that. Well, all I'm doing is sitting with a guy over at the home. Is that all you're doing? You mean you're going to sit there and help that man not make a wrong decision? That's not an honor? You mean you're going to help that man not go back to what was ruining his life? That's not an honor? We, we need to start thinking different. We need to start to see that it's a high calling of God, but we need to understand it's a, it's an honor to serve God and that He walks with us and talks with us and that because of that honor, He will bring us to places we never could go. One of my favorite illustrations involves a, a, a preacher that you know, brother, Kent Hoven. And uh, I won't go into the whole story, but I was actually asked to, to uh, uh, serve as an expert witness. And there's a reason for that. It doesn't matter. But I was asked to serve as an expert witness at one of his trials about the separation of church and state. In the United States government, uh, the Constitution, the government is not allowed to interfere with your religious beliefs. Well, in the United States, I'm, I'm known as somewhat as a... I, I know a lot about that because I have to deal with it a lot. Internationally and in the country. No big deal. I, that's just something God's allowed me to do. So I was asked to go to his trial and speak about the separation of church and state. Well, his attorney at the time was Judge Green, Bill Green. And, and he used to be a, a, a judge, circuit court judge. And he retired and became an attorney. Well, we go, we meet early in the morning in Pensacola. And uh, we we drive to the courthouse, and Brother Hoven comes in, and and Brother Hoven's walking by himself, and and there's two entrances to the courthouse. One entrance is got security guards and guarda and policemen with guns and and detectors, like at the airport, to see if you have weapons or anything. So on the one side uh, is that, and on the other side there's no detector, one policeman, and you just go right through. Well, the sign about uh, above the one door with all the security people and the and the machines, that one sign says general public. On the other side, the sign said judges and court officers. Well, Judge Green and I start to walk, Brother Hoven's walking this way, and without saying a word, I start to walk with Brother Hoven. Towards the one where they're going to, you know, they check your jacket, they search you for weapons, they put you through the machine, all that kind of stuff. And the judge says, no, he says, uh, Brother Mike, he said, I need to talk to you to walk with me. I said, okay, great. So I look and there's Brother Hoven over the table getting searched with a wand and, you know, just the whole thing. And Judge Green and I, I'll pretend this is the entrance, Judge Green and I walk through just like this. And I turned around and I said to the guard, I said, why are they searching him? But they let me walk through. Watch. He said, because you're walking with the judge. He said, around here, it doesn't matter who you are. But if you're walking the right, if you're walking with the right people, you get to go anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an honor to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because if you'll walk with him, he's walking with you and he'll take you to places you can't imagine. I wasn't allowed to go through that entrance because of me. I went through that entrance because of Judge Green. You get to stand before people not because of you, but because of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You get to get invited to Orlando not because of who you are, but because of who you walk with. Listen to me. 
The Bible says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I want to do that again really slow from the, for the people from America. Watch this. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. What does that mean? It means put him first. Lord, send me anywhere. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll give what you want me to give. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll go witnessing seven times a week. I'll pass a track to everybody at the grocery store. Don't matter to me. I'll go. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now watch. If you're walking with the king, he'll bring you to places you can't dream about. And all these things will be added unto you. Can I tell you what's wrong with some teenagers in the room tonight? You think happiness is going to come by getting all these things added unto you. I'm here to tell you, you don't go through the courthouse and eat at the judge's chambers and be able to get a free lunch in the Clay County Courthouse because your name's Mike Frazier. You get to go there because you're walking with Judge Green. Is this making sense at all? The teenager who thinks I'm going to go get a job, get an education, make a whole lot of money. Listen, that's a great idea, but you don't get all that unless you're seeking first the kingdom of God. The man that's in the room tonight who wants God to bless him and his family. The man tonight who says, I want God to do something special in my life. You don't get that living for yourself. You don't get that sitting at home. I was talking to a man this week. And he said, oh, you're talking about going and going. He says, I'm on the dole. And I said, wow, lucky you. What? Listen to me. I know I'm nuts. But if you're on the dole, that's not a problem. That's a blessing. You mean to tell me that God has given you the ability to stay home and have eight hours a day to come to the church and help the preacher and the government's going to pay you to do that? I wish I could get that deal in America. I'm not being funny. I'm not mocking you. I'm saying if those are the circumstances you're in right now, and if that's where God put you, don't sit around and feel bad about it. Say, thank God I can walk with God more hours every day, so I'm going down to church. I'm going to be useful. You say, I wish this American would go home. I'm going home, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going home until I'm really clear. When we retire from a job, we should say, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to refire. When we lose a job, we shouldn't stay home and get depressed. Instead, what we should do is say, thank you, God. Now I have more time to serve you. I'm nuts. Call me crazy. Call me off your trolley. But I believe that we're more than conquerors through him who loves us. That it is an honor to serve God. And if God is trying to put you in a position where you have more time to serve him, that's not something to be depressed about. That's something to say, boy, God must really love me. He must, boy, God must really want to use me. He's given me 24 hours a day to do something for him. 